If you turn with me then to letter to the Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm continuing as we're looking to close over the next few sessions when I'm speaking and looking at this theme of the Christian and dealing with spiritual conflict and battle and looking at this theme together. And I introduced the theme last Sunday morning and so this morning just to highlight the message again. Finally, it says there in verse 10 of chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, place rather, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. That's an important highlight there. With this in mind, it says, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. The key to this passage is alert and be prayerful. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Last Sunday morning, I took the theme of know your enemy. And uh, I I made this statement after spending a little bit of time. We looked at the the struggle, the spiritual conflict, the struggle for the Christian in the spiritual realm. And I made this statement, awareness aids preparedness. And uh, we've been looking and will be looking at becoming aware. And Paul says there, be alert And he encourages Christians not to be in awe of the devil and evil power and to stand and spend too much time gazing, but be aware, to know enough to become aware so that we can be alert and then stand in the power of God. And uh, that's what I believe is a a balanced, healthy, biblical um, Christian understanding and for us to practice our, our life as a believer and being alert. So awareness aids preparedness. And we spent some time being coming aware of the enemy um, last Sunday morning and looking at the, dealing with spiritual conflict in this material age in which we live. And uh, if you were here Sunday, you, you might recall some of the things that I've been sharing as an introduction to these final um, few messages that I'm going to share. But if you haven't, um, didn't get a chance, then what I would suggest is that you can go on to our, our church website, www.longeatonoasis.co.uk. You can listen to the message there and then. You can listen to it for free. You could go on to iTunes if you have a smartphone, and you can listen to You don't have to download the message. You can listen to it on a smartphone and uh, catch up with anything that we have shared. So a couple of things that I want to mention just this morning. And uh, we're looking at being encouraged and equipped is a theme that I'm going to take up this morning. Encouraged and equipped. And um, that's where we're going to go.
So there are three, three characteristics. Paul raises three characteristics uh, of our enemy, the devil, in this passage. And uh, there are these. There are three things that Paul highlights in looking at our spiritual foe, uh, the devil, the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. We spent a long time, uh, some time looking at this, and we're not going to go into this again. But there are three characteristics that he highlights. Number one, that the enemy, the devil, is a powerful enemy. He says, I put on the full arm of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Um, our enemy is a powerful enemy. He's not all-powerful. Remember I said this, we were looking at this last week. God is all-powerful. But Paul deals with the reality of a powerful enemy. He's not a pretend enemy. Even after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus taking the enemy in his triumph and making a public spectacle of satanic power, Paul still addresses the enemy as powerful. Not all-powerful, only God is all-powerful, but the enemy is superhuman. Remember, we looked at this idea of the devil being called Lucifer, a fallen angel, like Michael or Gabriel, the angels of God. And uh, so there's a sense of power, but not being all-powerful. So that Paul says that we have a struggle. Um, another translation says that we wrestle. This isn't a pretend thing. This isn't just something that you can just flop, uh, swat the, the devil like a little fly uh, off you. He's not so powerful that God can't deal with him. God is all-powerful and can deal with anything and has already done so. But Paul deals with the fact that there is a spiritual foe. And there will be a spiritual struggle. And at times, remember I said this, we're called to stand. And there will be moments in your life and my life where we'll be called to make a stand. And we looked at, uh, looked at this. So, so there's this idea that the devil is a powerful enemy. We struggle against superhuman powers of this dark world, says another translation of verse 12. Superhuman powers of this dark world. The devil is called the prince of the air in the New Testament we read. He has some degree of authority and power, although not all powerful. You know, the devil tried to destroy the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus first started out his ministry, he was taken for 40 days and nights into the wilderness to pray and fast for 40 days of nights. And we read that in that time, he was tempted of the devil. And we read that in that encounter, it's, when you read it, you think, in a way, the way you read it, it's a nice little discussion. But there is a spiritual conflict, a war going on. And the devil comes to him on three occasions over that 40-day and 40-night period. As Jesus would have been tired, weary, um, hungry. And it says the devil came and tempted him and then came back. But Jesus, every time, every time, the Lord Jesus was able to thwart the devil because obviously he's all-powerful. The devil is powerful, but not all-powerful. But on three occasions, he came back and then was thwarted and went. He came back, he was thwarted from the word of God and went and came back and was thwarted and went. And it says he went to come on another, looking for another opportune time. What we see in that encounter in the desert experience of Jesus is that Jesus dealt with a powerful enemy. There was a real power not building him up so much, but there is a real power and therefore we need to be clothed in the power of God. And we are 
clothed in the power of God. If our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, we're seated in the heavenly realms. We've looked at this, and so we understand this, but we just need to be aware. So it's powerful. Secondly, the enemy is not only powerful, but he's a wicked enemy. goes without saying. He's father of lies. deals with darkness. But we read there, it says there, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Evil. He's evil. Wicked. Evil. Enemy. It powers of darkness. Forces of evil. Paul uses these terms. They're not just because he's a bit nasty. He's a little bit bad. He personifies total depravity, complete evil without remorse or conscience or heart. He's worse than any psychopath that the universe has ever known. He is completely and utterly wicked. We're saved from every darkness. It's the amazing grace of God. And the devil is completely dark through and through. There is no light in him at all. There are no treaties with the enemy. There's no armistice. There's no ceasefire. There are no negotiations for peace. He is filled with one malicious aim, and that is the overthrow of the kingdom of God. Now, he is defeated, and yet like a a conga eel. If you've ever seen one of these extreme fishing or whatever it is programs, when they they land a conga eel on the boat, it thrashes around. The devil is, is thrashing around on the face of the earth, until such the time. He is defeated. He's been landed. He's been caught, hook, line, and sinker. He's sunk, and yet will thrash around. And it's in that thrashing around that he tries to cause damage. And so he is completely and utterly evil. There are no rules of engagement. There's no Geneva Convention. Anything goes to achieve that aim. The aim is the destruction of the church, the people of God, You and I made in the image of God for the will of God to be released on this earth. He will seek to thwart that on every move and every time. He is likened, as we've looked at, a roaring lion. He devours and shows no mercy. He is a wicked enemy. Thirdly, so he is a powerful enemy, a wicked enemy. Thirdly, we see the third characteristic of our enemy. And this is why we need to know the power of God. This is going to go somewhere, so stay with me. We face a cunning enemy, a cunning enemy. It says there in verse 11, um, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The word scheme means, he's a scheme. It means strategist or stratagems, strategy. It's cunning. It's malicious. It's intentional. It didn't just turn up. But there was an intentional scheming strategy behind the scenes in the spiritual, in the invisible realm for the destruction of the people of God. Well, thanks be to God. That's why Jesus says, you know, he is our high priest. Jesus is our intercessor. Jesus said uh, to uh, the disciples, you know, seek to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Jesus prays on our behalf, so we've got nothing to fear. We've been looking at this. But he's a cunning enemy. You know, the devil attacks on two fronts, by force and fraud. Force, he's a roaring lion. Don't just be deceived in thinking that all hell will break loose and that just must be the devil. By force, yes, but also by fraud. Cunning can appear as an angel of 
light, could even look good or feel good. Open and hidden, you could say. He's a schemer, a strategist. He is darkness, yet he can appear as an angel of light. He is dangerous as a wolf, and yet can enter a church like a sheep, can enter a family. Sometimes he roars like a lion, but often he can be as subtle as a serpent. And so we see three characteristics. So he's cunning. He will use two techniques, seduction and deception. Seduction and deception. Seduction is to bring us into compromise, to tempt what will appear to look or sound or even appear religiously good. Deception is that which will deceive us to bring us into error. And so, the three characteristics. And so, we're aware of the enemy, but now Paul encourages us to be equipped. And that's the second thing. So we know we're aware of the enemy. Now let's be encouraged to be equipped. I made a statement that we're to know our enemy. We are then encouraged to be equipped in God. And then in that equipment, we are energized. We're given energy through the power of prayer. So the second thing that we're looking at then is Paul encourages us now to be equipped. And so he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. So we've dealt with the enemy. Let's now move on and look at being equipped in God. Everything that we need is found in Jesus Christ. And we have more than enough not to be in fear. Uh, let, let me give you, uh, just tell you a little story, just in case you think, uh, you know, what's he batting on about and going on about? Spiritual reality and power, and the spiritual reality and power of God. Some years ago, uh, a friend of mine and myself was called to a house in Newcastle. I pastored in the northeast, and um, this family said that we've heard that um, from um, my mum, who is a Christian, that you, you, you could pray and um, you, you could deal with evil things. I said, well, I can't deal with evil things, but the Lord Jesus Christ can deal with evil things through the power of prayer. And we explained about knowing Jesus first. And, and we, anyway, to cut a long story short, went along to the house and they asked me and a friend to pray in a particular room because when they went into the room, things were flying around in the room, not because someone was throwing them around, but things were moving around on their own. And they were frightened family. They weren't Christians. So first of all, the first thing we did, we shared the person and power of who Jesus Christ is and coming into a living relationship with him and being forgiven for our sin. That's the first thing. Then the second thing we did was we went to pray in that room. And I have to say, it was, you know, a spring day and it was reasonably warm outside. And when I went into the room, it was felt like ice cold. Now, you could say they had a window open and the fan was on, but it wasn't like that. The room was icy, but the rest of the house was quite normal. And when I went into the room, it just felt horrible. It felt like, well, the hairs on the back of my head. And now it's, I sensed a spiritual. So we just prayed in that room. We prayed over that house and we prayed for that family. A week or two later, and they'd been praying for a long time and had other people come. A week or two later, the, the person in, the, in, in the, the church who was a Christian said, you know, my son and my daughter, whom you prayed for, there is a complete peace in their house. You know what? Whatever it was or whatever was there, and we don't know what it was, but it's completely changed. That room's okay now, and they're not frightened anymore. And they've been frightened for some months. 
spiritual reality, and the spiritual power of Jesus Christ. With my own eyes, some years ago, some years ago, in my own eyes, I remember praying with a man called David Holdaway and a lady called Marilyn Harry. And we prayed for a man. This was in Scotland. And uh, we prayed that the Lord Jesus Christ would come in forgiving power upon this man. And from his chest, not his mouth, a voice shouted to us and said, we're not going. We've been here a long time. I have to say, with that, I nearly fell off my chair. I thought, I've never encountered this before. It was an evil spirit, the sort of stuff you read in the New Testament when Jesus walked this earth. Do you know what happened as we prayed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The man became wonderfully free. There's no fear in Christ Jesus, for he comes to set us free. So what I'm saying is this. What we're talking about is a reality. We don't come across it all the time. But when we do, we're to stand firm in the power of the living Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says he encourages us now to be equipped, to be equipped. Two things that he says there. Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord with his mighty and in his mighty power. And then secondly, put on the full armor of God. Be equipped. First thing he says is this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. This is what God can do. We're to be strengthened in the Lord. That's what God can do. I can't do that in myself. And then he says, secondly, and then put on the armor of God. That's what I'm to do. There's two things, two encouragements to be equipped in God. Number one is to rely on God in his strength. So be strengthened in the power of the Spirit. That's what God will do. And number two is what you and I can do, is to put on the armor of God. You see, it's God's power and we're to respond in practice. The power is the Lord's. God's enabling and our cooperation. And so what we see in this encouragement are two things. God's enabling, be empowered with the power of God, and our cooperation, and put on the armor of God. Those two things to be equipped. So firstly then, be empowered. You read the words there. So if you look at the very verse with me, it's why you need to keep your Bible handy or, or your smartphone or whatever it is you're looking at. And uh, just, uh, just look at this together. But uh, we see this encouragement to be equipped. And we see this in verse um, 10. It says there, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. In other words, it literally means this. Find your strength in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in God and in the person of the Holy Spirit. Another translation puts it like this. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord. The way it's written there, it's in what is called the passive present. Take my word for it. It's what the commentators say about it. But it means this. It's not something we can do. We're to, we are passive in this. We, in other words, we are receivers. This is what it means. When it says be strengthened in the Lord, it means receive the strength of God. Restre- receive the power of God. That's what it literally means there. We are receivers of the power of God. We have received the power of God by being a Christian. We've been looking at this about being seated in the heavenly realms, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we receive, and it con- it's continual. This is continual receiving the power and strength of God. It's not something I can cook up. It's not something I can make in myself. It's not something I go shouting around at the devil. But it's something that I receive in being a Christian and being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, receive the strength 
in the Lord, in a relationship with Jesus. And it's interesting because he says there something really interesting. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he uses three words, be strong and mighty power. And those three words, strength, might, and power, are the same three words that he uses in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. Turn with me to Ephesians 1, just flip back a few pages, and you'll see the same words. Now, this is very important because we're going to see the power and the strength of Jesus Christ, which is all power and all powerful God. And it's quite amazing and spectacular. He uses the same, they're the same literal Greek words, the same words that he uses again. In verse, chapter 1, verse 19, if you read verse 18 for context, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength. Power, working, mighty strength. The same power, it goes on to say there, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. What he's basically saying there is, this power, Paul says, I want you to be strengthened with this mighty, incomparable, incredible power of God. And he uses the same words, the exact same phrases and words that he uses in the early chapter of chapter 1, verse 19. And the same words about God's power, incomparable greatness that raised Jesus from the dead and took him to be placed in the heavenly realms beside the Father, above what? Every other power devilish power is no power in relation to the all-powerful Jesus Christ. It says he has now the name above every name. And so what Paul is now saying is you do not have to fear and be worried. You may be aware of the enemy. You may be aware of his power. But I want you now to be strengthened with this incomparable, incredible power that raised Jesus from the dead and now seats him above every authority and power. I want you to receive that just because of your relationship in Christ. It's yours. Receive it. It's right now. You've got it. And so Paul says, this is how you will be able to stand. There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear at all. That's the good news. The incredible news. And he says, in the Lord. It's in the Lord. It's not beside the Lord, but it's in the Lord. We're to be planted in the house of God. We're planted in in Christ. It's an interesting phrase. It's all throughout the letter to the Ephesians that we're seated in the heavenlies in Christ. We've looked at this a lot. And this idea of being in a relationship with, in, in relationship. And so what Paul is saying is be strengthened. I will give you, you shall be receivers in Christ, in relationship, in union, in communion with Jesus Christ. Um, I think... uh, just a little illustration, but Leanne um, did something in Activate recently, and uh, it was faith, the grain of a mustard seed, although these are bean, bean, uh, is it, oh, sunflowers? Okay, whatever. There you go. Sunflowers. There you go. I've been, 
But they, um, now, she did plant them, but I tell you what, I'm the one who's been watering this little beauty here and um, giving them sunlight and uh, grown amazingly well. And, um, you know, it's one thing to be in, uh, be a Christian, but to be planted in God, to be in, to be in. You see, we will flourish when we're in, planted. Um, you and I need to be in Christ. Now, we're in Christ as a Christian, but there's something about watering, sunlight, the light of the sun, the forgiveness, the mercy, about being in the vine. And, um, you know, if I took those, Jesus talked about seeds being planted, didn't he? And some falls on hard ground and some gets... Some goes on soil that is easily, uh, weeds come and uh, the sun comes and dries them up. But those that fell on good soil, that are planted. And you know, to be in Christ means to be planted. You and I have to be planted in God. Abiding in. We do that in his word, in relationship. There won't be much of a life if we don't have a relationship with each other. And so Jesus Christ, it's not about just coming to church and sitting through a service, but walking with God, being in God. And for that, there's the water, there's the light. It speaks to itself. But So Paul says, and this is the great news. It's amazing. Paul says, everything that we need is in Jesus, and we are to be found in him. And if I'm found in him, I have everything. We've got nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. We have absolutely, and so I'm alert. And aware. So this is why Paul says, be aware of the schemes, but be alert and now ready in Jesus Christ, for you have everything that you need. And so then he goes on to say, so that's what, we're to, rece- we're to be receivers of that. We have that, we've already got that, but to walk in that every day. Uh, we can walk away from that, you know. We can do our own thing. We can get bogged down in life. We can um, quite easily neglect. If you stop watering, if I stop watering, um, those seeds, it will soon wilt. If you take those seeds and you just scatter them not in the soil, they won't grow. And so you and I need to be in relationship with Jesus and each other and planted uh, in that relationship. And we will receive power. We receive that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And uh, secondly, it, it, this encouragement to be equipped then. So there's the strength. That's what God can do. The second thing is what I can do. Well, this will be coming to a close in a moment. God's activity and enabling, now my cooperation and responsibility. He says, then secondly, he then says, with that in mind, he then says this, put on the whole armor of God so that you are able to stand against the devil's schemes. Isn't that good news? We're able to stand against all cunning and all devilish power. We are able. That's great. I've actually seen that with my own eyes. I have to say, there is an exhilaration to see the Lord Jesus Christ save, heal, and deliver, and forgive. And we are able to stand in him. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, We'll look at this in more detail on another occasion. But he says there, Paul would have been chained to probably a Roman soldier. And uh, very uh, in his mind is this idea of the helmet, the armor, the, the breastplate, the shield, you know, sword by the side. And he uses the, a metaphor, a picture of the things that he sees um, in being the spiritual armor for every believer. And he describes 
quality, the qualities of God and the qualities that we're to not only receive because I'm a Christian and to live in, but also to take hold of. So there are two aspects of this. There's the receiving, which we've looked at, God's part, and then also my taking hold of that, cooperating with God, walking and standing in him and feeding my heart and my spirit. And he speaks about some qualities. There's lots of funny things being taught on spiritual warfare, but this is what Paul says. He's very matter-of-fact. He says, take up the quality of who God is and your, the nature of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he says, clothe yourselves, in other words, in who Jesus Christ is and who our Father is, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he says this, um, therefore put on the full armor of God, that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. In other words, to take up this, we'll look at this in more detail, but take up the quality of truth. God is truth. The truth sets us free. And we're to live in truth. What does it mean to have integrity, to be open? We're going to look at that. But it says, take truth. The waist is this idea, the center of your being, and the significance in that. Um, you can shout as much as you like at the devil, as much as you like, and claim all sorts of promises. But we're to, because we're saved, we know the truth. It sets us free. But we're also to live in that truth. He says He goes on to say there, Stand firm then with the belt buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. Righteousness is in right standing, being right with God. We'll look at this in more detail. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, paying the price for our sin and our wrong standing in him. We'll look at that. But righteousness, being right with God, because of what Jesus has done, but also living out that righteousness, living in that Living in Jesus Christ is like guards your heart, guards the very breath of life, the chest, being able to breathe. And uh, there's this idea about living right, being right with Christ, being right with God, being found in him, and then living out in that rightness in our lives. And your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. There's this idea, the good news, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, and it's peace and forgiveness and mercy and uh, liberation and grace. And the gospel of peace, it's good news. It, it is really great. It should be really great news, actually. It is great news. It's amazing news. It's good. And uh, we'll look at what it means to this idea of living in the good news, receiving grace, living in grace because of what Jesus Christ has done, and then giving that grace and mercy away. And uh, that your feet are ready to wherever you go, wherever you take yourself, not only on a Sunday. But everywhere we walk is walking in the good news, in the grace, in the mercy. And we'll look at what it means to do that. Roman soldiers had particular footwear uh, to help them stand their ground. The qualities of God is likening these things. Stand firm then, he says. Your feet, and he says, then he goes on in addition to say, take up the shield of faith. 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 We have the faith of God. God imparts faith. And we are to lay hold of faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And it's like the Roman shield was a big shield that went around the whole body. And it's able to, on, on, in faith in Jesus Christ, the faith of God enables us to stand with a sense of hope, even when we might not see things as we hope they would be, even when things don't go quite the way in which we'd always hoped, even when things aren't as they seemed. 
we're able to stand in a sense of hope. It's not wishful thinking, just based on our feelings. But Paul says, take up this, and you'll be able to quench every dark, every fiery thought, accusation, everything that might come your way that you're aware of and that you might not be aware of. And then he goes on to say, we should look in more detail, but just empowered in this, this strength that we're able to do, lay hold of these qualities because of our relationship, but we're also to lay hold of them. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the head, the, the idea of salvation. We're saved from something and saved to something. We're saved from death into life. And so the helmet of salvation is saved from death and the wrath of God and destruction into life, healing, and forgiveness. And we're to take up the helmet covered the head and the way we think and our mind. And there's something about the power of the mind. In Romans 12, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're encouraged to have the mind of Christ, the way we think and the way we feel. And uh, Paul then says, salvation, because of what Jesus has done in your life, you can be renewed, transformed in who you are. And particularly, the battleground very often is in the mind and in the heart. And um, Paul come, uh, Jesus comes to release and renew us. And then says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the offensive part of the weaponry. And so we need to be people that read God's Word. A poll has been taken in the United States where, you know, a, a sort of 70% of people in the U.S. would say that they're born again. 60, 70% out of a population of 200 million uh, actually, the amount of people that read the Bible now and again, every day, it's like 12%. <laughs> it's probably about the, I don't know about the statistics in our own country. So uh, there's this idea of the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God is to read the Bible a bit, a little bit, to be conversant with this amazing book, the Bible, the Old and New Testament, which is given to us so that we can take the sword, the Spirit, which is the living, active Word of God. And so we're called to put on the character and qualities of God through our relationship with Jesus, but as an intentional stepping out in him. Equipped, we have everything that we need to stand. And finally, at that moment, to gather others around us to stand together. Roman soldiers would put their shields together and they would form a flank. It would be like a wall. And you can put your shields. You get, the best thing you can do is get other believers to stand with you in faith. To stand with you from time to time. To put the shields of faith together and stand together. That's why we love to stand with one another. Okay. Look in a bit more detail about that on another occasion. But let's pray together. So we're encouraged. Paul encourages us to be equipped. And we have all that we need the qualities and character of God in our lives so that we can stand strong in him. And he imparts, God imparts all of his power and all powerful, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that takes him to give him name above every name, that every name submits to him. That same power is imparted to us, is for us right now, and he wants us to receive that. Let's pray together. I'm just conscious you may be here this morning and you read the Bible. You might read the Bible from time to time. You might even come to church or go to a church from time to time. And these are all good things. You may even pray. And I would say that these are good things. But those good things on their own don't, won't necessarily make you a Christian. Although I would say all these things are highly commendable. But trusting the Lord Jesus Christ 
and giving our heart and lives over to God, our Father in heaven, who wants to be your Father. And um, that's what makes us a Christian. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, John 3.16, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I'm just conscious, you might be here this morning and you're in a place where you might need to think about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, God, I've lived my life, but I've not lived it necessarily for you. I now want to live for you. And so I choose to open up my heart and ask you to forgive me for living for myself and living without you. That's sin. And I'm going to trust you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you took my place and died for my sin. So I want to live for you. Now, if that's you this morning, and you want to now live for him, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I would acknowledge that I have lived my life up to this point without you. I might have read about you. I even believe in something, but I haven't lived for you. Please forgive me for living for me. Forgive me for my sin. I open up my heart and life to you. Please come into my heart and life, Holy Spirit. Help me live for you. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Let's keep our eyes closed just for a moment or two. Maybe you are a Christian and you feel that you haven't quite been in that place. What I mean by that is you've let it slip. You've let life slip a little. And this morning, you know, being planted, rooted, to grow. And perhaps you're a person this morning that says, oh God, forgive me. Pray this prayer if you feel that you've let it slip a little. You want to come back afresh to God. Heavenly Father, this morning, Forgive me for letting the things of the world, perhaps the cares of life, maybe even busyness, take up my life. This morning I come back to you afresh and give you my life afresh. Please forgive me. And fill me anew and afresh with the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Father God, I pray that this morning as people have opened up their hearts and lives to you, for anyone that's trusted you for the first time, I pray that Holy Spirit, that you would cause their heart to jump. Thank you that in heaven, heaven rejoices at one person coming to know you, Lord Jesus, and coming back into a living relationship with Father God. I pray for those that have just maybe this morning 
that sought to restore their commitment to you, that want to be planted in the house of God, that want to find themselves planted in you, Lord Jesus. Pray that you would flood, refresh, restore, encourage each heart and mind and every single person here today. We pray, Lord, we give you our lives as a church. We give you ourselves afresh. We say, Lord, we thank you that you are so good. We thank you, Lord, that every provision is given to us in you, Lord Jesus Christ. There is no fear nor condemnation, for perfect love casts out all fear. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are lifted to the highest heights. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now in us also. And we say thank you for that this morning. We just receive, open our hearts and just give you our lives afresh so that we can line up with that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of your love, the power of forgiveness, the power of mercy, and the power of grace. And it's that that we see released in our hearts and minds this day, all because of your goodness, Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit. We receive all that you have for us and all of your goodness today in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. We pray, Lord Jesus, you said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we say thank you that you are in the business today of building our hearts and lives, families and homes, marriages and individuals, children and people. We pray, Father God, thank you. And we give you our lives so that you can build us to be who you want us to be, who you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's look up together. If you prayed that prayer this morning about giving your life to the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, asking God to forgive you for living for yourself, to repent and say, I've lived for myself, which is sin, without God, then see me. Make, that, make yourself known to me at some stage. I'll be standing at some stage this morning. Say, I was, I was that person. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I would love just to say, well done, shake you by the hand, perhaps even pray with you. Okay, God bless you, folks.